If you'd open your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to be in the New Testament book of Galatians as we are continuing in a sermon series called Why It Matters. And we've been looking over the last few weeks at this letter that Paul has written to the church in Galatia, and he is being very specific on some, some points of our faith and why exactly it it matters. He's explaining why faith in Jesus is the only way. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been using a term, we've been talking about something called the law. I go like this because we're going to see the term the law quite a bit. Today, we're going to see it. And honestly, it's something to learn. It's something worth understanding what it means in the Bible when we hear the term the law. And we're going to focus on that a little bit today. What, what is the law? The, the law was a covenant. Well, it's a covenant. We don't, we don't use that word a lot in our modern day language. A covenant is a, it's a vow. It's like a marriage covenant, a marriage vow. Okay, Maybe it's a, it's a promise. This is a contract between God and man. So it's a, it's a covenant. Now, the law is just, it's the name of one of God's covenants. God has many covenants with men. This, this one particularly is referred to as the law. I want to ask you, have you ever made a conditional promise to somebody? Before you say no, maybe you said, you know what? I promise you I'm going to be there at 4 p.m., right? I promise you I will meet you there at 4. It's a conditional promise. You're going to meet him there at 4 o'clock. Um, that has nothing to do with next week or the week after. You're talking about this particular moment. It is This promise is for this event, okay? Now, this is different from a promise you say to your child, I am going to love you forever, right? permanent promise. So I want you to, to keep those in mind as we go through our lesson today. We're going to be looking a lot today also at the Old Testament timeline. And I hope that like, like me that you find some interest in the Old Testament timeline from the book of Genesis to Malachi. It's not the entire Old Testament is not exactly in order. But once we put it in order, it's an amazing book. It's an amazing precursor or, or, or prequel to the New Testament. The Old Testament is the scriptures that when, whenever you see somebody in the New Testament refer to the scriptures, they're referring to our Old Testament. So we've talked about a covenant and we've talked about the law. The law being this covenant that Moses God gave to Moses, Moses gave to the Israelites, the people of Israel. In the law were the Ten Commandments. Okay? Now, the law is more than just the Ten Commandments. There's much more to it, but the Ten Commandments are part of that. The question comes down to, why do we see so much of the term the law in the New Testament? Why is it that Paul is addressing this? And we're going to take a deep dive into this, and it's going to make sense when we come back into Galatians chapter 3 here, okay? Some theologians say that, that God had a covenant with Adam, Adam and Eve, and, that, and that, that may be so. We do know, however, God had a covenant, a, a vow, a promise with Abraham. 
Abraham, let's talk timeline a little bit, okay? Abraham is about 2,000 years after Adam. Abraham is one man, him and his wife, and, and the promise is going to be for Abraham's family. But we're talking one man and his wife at this point. And I'm going to read you this covenant that God makes with Abraham. Stay with me because we're going to move to a couple of these. We're in Genesis chapter 17. We're going to start in verse number 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant, my promise. I will set up my vow between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. And then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. God says this, verse 4, As for me, here is my covenant, here is my vow, here is my promise with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will now be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. I will confirm my covenant, my vow, my promise, that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. This is, watch this, this is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of all of your offspring. I'm going to stop right there. A permanent covenant, not a conditional covenant. Not of all of God's covenants are permanent. Some covenants that, that God is going to make, some promises that he's going to make, have a start date, have an end date. Some are conditional. And we're going to see a conditional covenant and promise in the very next one that is going to, to show up. And this is the covenant that God is going to make with Moses. Now, I want you to remember this. God makes this covenant with Abraham hundreds of years before he's going to make this covenant now, another one with Moses and the Israelites. Okay? So where we're at right now in the storyline, Abraham has had uh, many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Okay? And so then um, the, 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 the family, Abraham's family in his line ends up in Egypt, and they start growing the Hebrews are in Egypt. They're enslaved in Egypt 400 years. And now Moses comes and he's going to take the people out of Egypt. They go out into the desert. They're 40 years out in the desert. God promises them the promised land and says, okay, it's time to go into the promised land. That takes us to the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Okay, So God is going to make this covenant with this nation of Israel, his chosen people, and he's making a deeper covenant with them now before they go into the promised land. We're going to find that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to start in verse number one. God says this, now if, that's an important word, we'll come back to that. Now if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands I am giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord your God. Now, I'm going to stop there because the rest of this chapter is just going to list a massive amount of blessings. There's a lot of great blessings right here. But I'm going to skip down to, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 28, into verse number 15. But if, 
There's the other side of the condition. But if you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following all of his commands and statutes that I am giving you today, all these curses will come and overtake you. I'm going to list a couple of these for you. Verse number 16. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and and kneading bowl will be cursed. Your offspring will be cursed. Your land and the land's produce, the young of your herd and the newborns of your flock, you will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send against you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you do until you are destroyed and quickly perish because of the wickedness of your actions in abandoning me. The Lord will make pestilence cling to you until he has exterminated you from the land where you are entering to possess. You see the difference? See the difference in this? The law, that's this this covenant that we are just talking about, it's conditional. The blessings are based on a condition. The condition is obedience. So when Moses takes the Israelites into the promised land, God promises them. He tells them there are blessings here, but is it God's right to do that? Absolutely. He can do that if he wants to. There are blessings for you, but here are the rules. That's the law. You've heard me talk about rules over the last couple of weeks. The law which is what we're referring to as the uh, Mosaic law. It's the rules that God gave the Israelites as they went into the promised land. Rules. We haven't gone over all of the rules here today. There's hundreds of them. There's rules for the priests. There's rules for holidays. There's rules for sacrifices. There's rules for burnt offerings. There's rules for men. There's rules for women. There's all kinds of different rules. I want you to to keep the Ten Commandments in mind. That's a, a small snapshot, okay? Rules. Now, let's come back to what we're studying in Galatians chapter 3. Paul is going to ask and answer for us the same question that you and I are asking. We're in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 19. Paul says this. Why then was the law given? Paul answers the question. It was added for the sake of transgressions. That means sin. Okay, I'll come back to that. Until the seed of whom the promise was made would come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. I'm going to talk about this for just a second. It was added for the sake of sin. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Until the seed... Until the seed of the woman uh, to whom the promise was made would come. And it talks about angels and a mediator. Mediator is going to be Moses. The law was given from God to Moses, the mediator, to the people. Okay? Point number one in your notes is this. For those of you taking notes with this or if uh, if you're, you're writing some things down, I want you to write this down. This is the first point in your notes. Without rules... We don't know if we are in the right or if we're in the wrong. I know that sounds pretty obvious. It sounds simple. But it would, would it be fair to say that there is no right if there is no wrong? There is no 
sin if there are no rules. There is no breaking a law if there is no law. So why was the law, this covenant, given to Moses and the Israelites? Notice, the covenant with Abraham, 450 years before, it didn't include rules. It just says, I'm going to be your God, and I am going to bless you. It, didn't, it, it had circumcision, but it didn't include 600 rules. Abraham was one man in a family. It's kind of a handshake covenant. The nation of Israel, however, there's a million people as part of this group here. A million people need rules. There needs to be some sort of a, a, what acts do we take to separate us from the other nations around us that show that we are God's people? What is it that we do? What makes us different from them? You have to remember that God's original purpose for Israel was for the, the people of Israel. These are the people who, who were slaves in Egypt, who came out of Egypt. God took them out of Egypt, put them in the desert for 40 years, and then they went from there into the promised land. God's intention was for them to be a nation of priests to tell all of the other nations of the, of the world about God. That was his original intention. So if they're going to go out and they're going to be priests to other nations, it would be fair that they should represent God to other nations. It would be fair to say that, that they should live differently than other nations. They should, they should be separated from paganism. They shouldn't look the same. So Paul is writing this letter to the churches in Galatia, and and he's mentioning, he's, he's, talking about, he's talking about this because, remember, we've talked about the Judaizers, right? Paul came in, he talked to the churches in Galatia, he told them about Jesus, and there's people came behind him and said, okay, yeah, this whole thing about Jesus is good, but you need to be a Jew first and follow all of the rules of the what? The law. See, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of the priests of Jesus' day, they still lived under the law, that was their religious upbringing. That's, that's what, what managed their, their salvation was based on the law, this covenant that God had made way back with Moses. They were still at this time living by that. Paul writes not just to the churches in Galatia, but he also wrote letters to other churches in other areas. He, wrote, he, he writes to the church in Rome, and he explains this to them as well. And in, in Romans chapter 4, verse number 15, this is so important. He says this, Because the law produces wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. There is no sin. Even in our, our modern-day rules, our modern-day laws. If there was no rules against robbing a bank, then it wouldn't be wrong to rob a bank, right? If nobody said it's wrong, then it's okay. I wonder if uh, uh, parents, parents, if you have ever had one of your kids that has come to you and held, 
held your feet to the fire because of something you had said, but now they're, they're calling you out on the fine print of your rules. Like, well, you said I had to go to bed by 8, but you didn't say 8 p.m., right? I mean, the, the, the kids like to do that. They, they, they like to say, well, you said I had to do my homework tonight, and it's, it's still tonight. It's still dark, right? I mean, kids like to do that. If there are no rules, then there is no sin. The law, the, the covenant that God made with Moses and the Israelites really did bring an allowance for us to see what transgressions are, to see what sin is. Now there are rules. We know what to do and what not to do. 400 years after Moses gave the Israelites the law, this covenant, these rules, there was a prophet, a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah spoke about the fact that this covenant, the law, it wasn't the final covenant. It wasn't going to be the final covenant. Jeremiah saw that there would be a more complete covenant. I want you to read with me. We're going to put this up on the screen. We're in Jeremiah chapter 31. It should be popping up here in just a moment. Uh, 31, Jeremiah 31, I'm in verse number 31. It says, Jeremiah says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their, their iniquities and never again remember their sin. God has told his people that they have broken the rules and... God recognizing, he's like, look, I, I, I had this list. I have these rules. I have this law for you. You guys aren't even trying anymore. Israel, like, at, at this point, I've already had to, had to punish you. I've broken up my, my people into two different countries, and now you guys are about to be exiled out to the north. And, and, and uh, Judah, you're about to be exiled to the east because you're not obeying my rules. You're so far removed from where you should be. But Jeremiah says, you know what? There's another covenant that's coming, and it's not going to be based on rules. And as a matter of fact, God's going to write his, he's going to write on your heart. He's not going to leave this up to, to somebody teaching somebody, no. He's going to write his rules on everyone's heart so everyone knows who he is. 
So you're born with that. You know, okay, there's God. That's the difference. Now let's go back to what Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. We're in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 20. Follow me back. Paul says this, he says, But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and people. We talked about that a minute ago, right? So here's the second point in your, note this, your notes this morning. God planned a new promise with mankind that would be fulfilled in his son. God planned this. And this isn't something that was planned because another promise failed. This was planned so long ago that God would come incarnate. He would come and be that sacrifice for us. It wasn't a new rule because we needed one. See, with one man and one family like Abraham, God could have a kind of a handshake covenant. You get to an entire nation of people, you need to put some rules together now. But when things change from this nation is going to be my priests to everyone on the entire earth is going to be my priests, now I'm going to put my word on their hearts and we have a savior for all. Even when the Israelites were in the desert and they went into the promised land, God knew that the law, the rules that was being given to them were not going to last forever. There was an end time for that. We've talked over the last couple of weeks about these people who came after Paul into Galatia, the Judaizers, who were teaching that you had to first become a Jew under the Jewish law before you could follow Christ. And Paul is really trying to teach them and say, look back at our history. Look back into the Old Testament. I want you to see it through a different, a different lens. And see, this is exactly what Jeremiah was talking about. Have you, ever watched, have you ever watched a movie a second time or read a book a second time and you say, wow, I didn't catch that the first time. Wow, I didn't, I didn't see that. I get it now. See, that's what Paul is trying to do. Is to say, I want you to start connecting these dots. Look all the way back to Adam and let's see that way back in the Garden of Eden that God is planning his son coming to save the world from their sins. Not planning on this rules of, of laws that are going to save everyone from their sins. The Bible connects all of this together so well. Do you remember what the wages of sin is? Remember that? The wages of sin is death, okay? Wages. Um, though your, your wages, it's what you earn. When you go to work, you, you put in work and you earn your wages, right? So when you sin, what you earn is death, right? The, that's the... That's what happens. And that started, so death and sin existed before the law even existed. 
So it's not as if the law, yeah, it's, it was there to shine a light on sin. Sin we know causes death, but death was there much further before the law was there. Adam died, Noah died, everyone died. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, we read this. This is Paul writing again to another church. He says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, okay, and death entered the world through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law. But, this is amazing, sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. How can you be held accountable for a rule that doesn't exist? How can you be accountable to to somebody who hasn't really laid down the rules very well? One man, it's one man's sin that death came in and it came to everyone. Adam couldn't save himself. Moses couldn't save himself. Abraham couldn't save himself. The Israelites couldn't save themselves. Jonah, Micah, Amos, King David, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she couldn't save herself. Joseph, the father of Jesus, he can't save himself. Barnabas, Peter, John, Andrew, you and me, we can't save ourselves. We need more than rules. They needed more than rules. Just like all of these others, we can't do it. Look what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. Paul writes this in Romans 5, verse number 15. He says, but the gift is not like the trespass. The trespass is sin. The gift is not like the sin. For if by one man's trespass, one man's sin, the many died, how much more have the grace of God And the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. So then, as through one trespass, through one sin, there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. There's so much to be thankful for. But see, here's the thing. You and I don't perform that one righteous act. There's nothing that I could do. I can't perform a righteous act that will save your soul. I can't perform a righteous act that will save my own soul. Paul talks to the Galatians again about this. We're back to Galatians chapter 3. Verse number 21, follow along with me. Paul says this, Is the law therefore contrary to God's promises? Absolutely not. For if the law had been granted with the ability to give life, basically if you could have salvation through the rules, then righteousness, then your salvation, would certainly be on the basis of the law. Your salvation would be based on the rules. But the scripture... It says, imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise might be given on, watch this, the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. It doesn't say 
that salvation is given to those who obey the laws of a former covenant. It says that the promise might be given on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Here's the third point in your notes this morning. It's this. For Christians, the covenant, the promise, the vow that you and I live by is based in faith in Jesus, not works. It's based in faith in Jesus. We're going to go back in our timeline 1,500 years after God gave Moses the, the, the law, he gave it to the Israelites. 1,500 years after Moses, God gave his son to us, to you and I. This is where the term the new covenant comes in. Have you heard that term, the new covenant? We've heard the old covenant and the new covenant, and today we've heard covenant and the law and promises and vows. We've heard those. This is where the term the new covenant comes in. You and I don't live under the law, the old covenant. We don't base our salvation on that. We don't live under the covenant made to Adam. We don't live under the covenant made to Abraham, the Israelites, King David. We live under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. In the New Testament book of Luke, we see the story shortly, shortly before Jesus' death on the cross where Jesus has taken his disciples into the upper room and it's a time of Passover. And he passes around some bread and he says, take, this is my body. And he says this in Luke, in Luke chapter 22, verse number 20, says this. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper. And he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. blood of Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. Is a sacrifice still needed for sin? Yeah. Sin has a price. The wages of sin is death. It's still death. Our sin causes death. Physical death, spiritual death. What we have earned is a spiritual death that separates us from God. But in an atoning sacrifice, in this covenant, we have a promise, just like the Israelites did, just like Abraham did. No matter how hard you and I try, we cannot do it on our own. We can't obtain this on our, on our own because one sin, even one sin, if you have made it this far in your life with even one sin, I congratulate you, but that one sin leads to death because you cannot take sin into the presence of God. He is holy, which is separated from. He lives separated from sin. You cannot be in his presence with sin. Paul is telling the churches in Galatia, and he's also telling the false teacher, the false teachers that the law is not 
our promise. We're going to finish up in Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Paul writes this. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. Until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under the guardian. For through faith, you are all sons of God in Jesus Christ. Through faith, not by the law, not by the rules. Fourth point in your notes is this. The blood of Jesus is our complete covenant. It is our complete promise. It is our complete vow. Some people think that if you're a Christian, that none of the Old Testament rules or regulations are important anymore. They say, okay, well, we live under a new covenant. I could just read the New Testament, live by that, and I'm fine. Okay. Is it important? Sure, it's important. The Old Testament is absolutely important. Some people think that, okay, well, I've got grace. God, God gives me grace. And so if I sin, I just ask for forgiveness, and I'm, I'm good to go. He's going to forgive me, and I'm all right. Okay, I'll give you that much. But let me tell you this. As a Christian, you should have a deep desire to grow closer to Christ. But if we are continually living in habitual sin, we can only grow so far to Christ because our world is holding us back. You cannot grow closer to Christ and closer to the world at the same time. It's not going to happen. Something has to give. You want to grow closer to Christ, then something has to give. You're giving up those worldly, the things of the world that is holding you back. Saved? Yes. I want you to see something, though, that Jesus says about the law, okay? Jesus is going to talk about this. Imagine Jesus is sitting down talking to people, and this is almost like a passing of the baton. The Mosaic law is running up with the baton, and it's passing it to Jesus, and Jesus takes it. And he's going to go forward now. Watch this. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 17, Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. He's, it's almost as if, I, I don't know if you've ever taken a, an, a new job, and you kind of know the last guy who was there. You say, hey, you know what? He did a good job. I really appreciate what he did. Jesus is saying, the old law, I'm not destroying it. I didn't come to just abolish all of that. I came to fulfill that he says yeah there's a lot of that law that you could take into your daily lives and is really going to help you who here would say you know what ten commandments out the door yeah we live in new testament and uh, and we're cool without those 
probably pretty good rules to live by, right? There's some helpful rules to live by. But we're not saved by them. We are saved by grace through faith. That's why Jesus came. That is our covenant. See, we don't get there on our own. The Ten Commandments don't lead us to heaven due to our obedience to them. Only Jesus does that. So that leads us to this question. What do we do? We've heard today what Adam did. Adam was told, just obey, don't eat that fruit. And he ate the fruit. And that was it. He was just told to obey. Abraham was told his part of the covenant was to be circumcised. And, and God says, I am going to be the father of a, of a nation that's going to come from your line, but this is what you need to do. You need to be circumcised. And, and he did that. Moses, his covenant was to follow these instructions. He gave this to all these people. Follow these instructions Live under these commandments and I'm going to be your God. That was a conditional covenant. But what about you and I? What about you and me? What do we have to do? So we're sitting back saying, okay, pastor, we've talked about four different covenants and, and promises. And now you bring up Jesus. What, what do we do? Paul describes our covenant and our promise from God very well in Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, verse number 9 through 12 reads like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. That's it. What do we do? Faith. What do we do? We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we'll be saved. Some people are going to say, Pastor, that sounds like it's a lot easier than obeying a bunch of rules. It sounds like all I have to do is believe. If I have to choose 600, 700 rules, I will choose believing. I'll choose that. That sounds easier. Yeah, you know what? It is. Because you're believing that God raised Jesus from the dead to pay the price of your sin, which leads to death. Someone has to die for your sin. Someone has to die for my sin. And there's two choices. It could either be me or it could be Jesus. 
Are you going to accept Jesus' death on the cross as atonement for your sin? See, here's the thing. He's already died on the cross, whether you're going to accept it or not. He's already paid that price. He's just asking you, he says, believe. This is my promise to you. This is my covenant to you, Christian. This is my arrangement with you. I'm not asking you to obey all of the rules. I'm not asking you for... I'm just asking you to believe in me. To confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that what I have done for you, you are going to accept. That I've done it on your behalf. This morning, if you're here or if you're online and you've wondered if you can be good enough, you've tried to be good enough, you can't. And I think you know that. There is only one way. And it is accepting the blood of Jesus as your atoning sacrifice. It is saying, yes, Jesus, I believe. I am confessing with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I am believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, you will be saved. My prayer is that everyone here will be saved. Will you pray with me? Lord, this morning, we thank you for a lesson diving back into the different promises and covenants that you have made with your people over generations for different reasons. And Lord, we thank you that the covenant that you have made for us is permanent, that it is here for everyone, that it doesn't matter who our earth doesn't matter what nation we were born in, that it doesn't matter where we grew up, it doesn't matter what language we speak, it doesn't matter what color our skin is, it doesn't matter. You died for us. All you say is this. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Lord, this morning we thank you for giving us this opportunity to be adopted sons and daughters into the kingdom of God. Next week, Lord, we're going to talk about what it means to be an heir. Like now that we are accepted into the kingdom of God, what does that mean? But for those here this morning, Lord, or those online who aren't confident, aren't sure, I pray that this morning that you will touch hearts. That if there's anyone here this morning, if there's anyone online that just doesn't know, Lord, that they'll bow their head with us and just simply pray. Pray this prayer with us, Lord. We have we've been trying to do this on our own, and now we see that the covenant that you have for us just asks us to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Right now, that Jesus is Lord. And 
we believe in our heart that God, you raised him from the dead. And we accept his atoning sacrifice for our sin. Lord, we thank you that you've planned this from the beginning of time. that you have a plan for us and a path to salvation with you. If you prayed with me this morning, I want to welcome you into the family of God as a new brother or sister in Christ. And I hope that you will start to experience the joy that comes with being part of this family and get connected into this church. And I know right now it's somewhat difficult to find a connection, but find us online or on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram or, or call the phone numbers on the website and, they, and send to the emails and we'll be in contact. Lord, this morning we come and we thank you that you have given us a way to be in your presence for eternity that doesn't require our works, that doesn't require us to achieve a certain amount of perfection no, just to accept the gift of grace that you gave to us. Lord, as we continue to sing, we ask you to hear our worship. You hear our praises. Lord, this morning we love you and we thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name.